0: Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they are never just about how you look. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I have with me Elizabeth D'Alto, who is an embodiment specialist, a mystic, the founder of the School of Sacred Embodiment, and the host of the Embodied Podcast. She focuses on embodiment for collective health, joy, and liberation, and she's also a longtime dear friend of mine. So welcome, Elizabeth. Hello. Hello. Um, so I kind of want to start with the basic podcast question. Tell me a little bit about yourself and the work that you do.
1: Uh, wait, I first want to tell everyone I was remembering, (laughs) I think the first time we met was at a wedding in New York city in 2014. It was. Mm -hmm. And I was just recently talking to someone about that because I've stayed in so many Airbnbs over the years, but the Airbnb that I stayed in that weekend was a nightmare and I've never forgotten it. and I love how we've like, we've been through the, like the fitness to non yeah.
0: pipeline. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. The, uh, fitness to liberation pipeline. I like that
1: real. That's what it really is. So I, I was in fitness back in the day, just like you, I was a little personal trainer in New York and New Jersey and then Washington DC and then back up to New York. And so I've always been a person who loves the body is fascinated with the body was an athlete growing up, you know, when I got to college and there was this amazing gym at my school, I was like working out every day and I, I like, I loved it. Yeah. And then around like 2012, I was starting to not love it so much. And, you know, just personally, I was I was getting into energy work. I was starting to really get into more like psychological things, getting into archetypes and and just deeper into like self-expression and creativity and yeah. realizing like how being in the fitness industry was more being part of the problem than it was. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, totally. Because even though I always had a desire to help people feel strong and and, and use it as a tool for empowerment, which it can be, mm-hmm. I had not examined any of my unconscious biases, fat phobia, like all the things, nor had I looked out the way I had my own like internalized fucking all these things, misogyny, patriarchy, all the archies and isms and all. The- uh-huh. <laughs> so um. <laughs> you can't really, I mean, you can, you can get into healing and embodiment work and do all kinds of bypassy shit, but I'm not built that way. So, um, you know, over the course of the years, as I've been building my body of work and my school, which honestly I didn't name it the school of sacred embodiment until last year, because I realized it was a school. I'm like, Oh, I've been yep. building a mystery totally school for nine years. I'm like, <laughs> that's what this is because I just like surrender to like the ever evolvingness of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've just, I've created, you know, healing movement methods and frameworks for self-love and self-liberation over the years. Um, And then just as I've I've gone along, just integrated as I've learned more about like social justice, anti-oppression decolonization liberation in general, all those things, just make sure my shit is as inclusive as possible, like accessible as possible, and nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. We do a pretty good job and we get a lot of positive feedback about that. So, um, but the reason though I really go into and call it sacred embodiment is because, and this was the same for me when I was a personal trainer, my last actual job that I had at like a boutique, like bougie studio in New York city in the West village in 2012, um, which was the last time I ever got a paycheck from anyone else. <laughs> um, I, the guy who ran the studio, he was always on me about like my programs. Cause I wasn't like that. I was always mm. so much more intuitive. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. clients would get results, but it was like, and that was one of the things that actually made me quit mm-hmm. because having to like write out my programs and plan ahead was so against my nature. Mm. Um, And I don't even know why I went on a little tangent there, but, um, oh, sacred embodiment. So same, like the word embodiment, you know, somatic practices and stuff like that. There's a lot of much more like scientific, um, rooted specifically in like nervous system, vagal theory, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 all this stuff. And me, it's more like getting out of your head and into your body, learning how to trust yourself, love the shit out of yourself, respect yourself, set boundaries, have emotional maturity, communicate. And a lot of those things people might say, that doesn't sound like embodiment. And I'm like, but it does, because how you feel within yourself and your body, your emotional landscape is so impacted by all of those things, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's also, you know, for the people who want to, we go like real deep dive into the spiritual and esoteric side of things. So there's a nice, there's a nice range for people, yeah. but regardless whether someone is like super left brain, loves the science, really practical, not into any of the esoteric stuff, or they're like all in mystical, like yeah, yeah. howling at the moon, every solar eclipse or whatever, um, we're grounded. Yeah. So people can be who they are. And come and get what they need and want. And that's cool. And I love having a space where we can have that range and no one feels ostracized.
0: I love that. Actually, it was one of my questions to ask you, uh, because as I was going through your website in preparation for this call, I kept seeing this language and I was like, I'm going to have you define this. I'm going to have you define that. But then also I have the like question of how would you explain this to someone who doesn't resonate with like the mystical or the spiritual? Mm -hmm. And I know you enough to be like, there is going to be a good answer to that.
1: And I love doing that because it doesn't, this is what has bothered me so much about a lot of like the spiritual and like conscious communities that I've like dipped into over the years, especially when I was living in California. I joke now, I'm like, I feel like I had to go live in California for eight years so I could like get into the belly of the beast. Yeah. This shit. Same with the fitness industry, right? Like- Oh. It's like, I had to learn the rules so I could break them or like dive in and see how gross it really was. And be like, all right, how can we do this in like a grounded, uh, inclusive way that like can just meet people where they are. And there's no dogma and there's no pedestals either. Cause that's the shit that drives me bananas. Uh-huh. The most. And that's so true too, because the fitness industry and well,
0: I don't know if you can call it the spiritual industry, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. that space is very similar in terms of having like gurus. Yes. Like people on pedestals, who's like whatever thing they come up with is dogma. I'm so nervous actually about my book where I come up with I have this system with the avatars and everybody loves to take quizzes and like find themselves in this landscape. Uh, But I put it in the book and I'm going to talk about it like forever. Like please don't let this be dogma. Just just let it be a starting point. It's just a starting point. I promise.
1: Exactly. I'm the same way. You know, I have my wild soul archetypes, but I'm like you all let this just inform how you connect and relate to yourself. If it illuminates anything useful for you, great. If it doesn't, skip it.
0: Uh Uh-huh, absolutely. Um, Okay, so one thing I wanted to say, because so much of your work is like women-centric. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you and I have talked about this because it's more of a recent thing in my life, but I no longer identify as a cisgender woman. Mm -hmm. I identify as trans and non-binary. I use they, them. Um, So just, I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts in terms of like, obviously- so much of your work resonates with me anyway, because I was conditioned as a woman and that is ultimately what it comes down to. Um, but I am curious, like, do you work with non-binary and trans folks? Do you see any differences? How does that work for you?
1: Um, so here's what I love so much. We actually have a couple people in my membership right now who are like in that inquiry, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. right? But anyone, and, and, and I don't define this anywhere. And you know, it's interesting with, with the constant like evolution of language Of how Mm -hmm. of how we're speaking about and to and addressing people. A couple of years ago now, I on the podcast was saying something like, you know, women are women identifying folks or something like that. And I got a message, I got a DM on Instagram from a trans woman who was like, You can just call us all women. Uh Uh-huh. You know, she was like, you know how hard I've worked in my life to be a woman. Like, you don't have to still separate us out. And I'm like, okay, great. So I'm gonna do that. And I'm just gonna trust that like the way I move in the world that people know, like you can come. Yeah. Right. Um, essentially, my work is not for men. (laughs) I feel the same way whenever I'm writing things
0: down that I'm like, what I really want to say is not straight cis dudes. That's all I want to say. But
1: like, um people have been sued for that.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So that that's my thing. I'm like, you know, there's a line and Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, you know, but if people, if people find their way into my container and they want to be there, it's, it's great. You I know, I love that.
0: Okay. Um, so, and I brought that up before because this quote on your website that I love so much, um, included women as sort of like the, the defining thing. So the quote is most women are programmed to believe that our bodies and our souls are separate. And I loved that. And I'd love to hear you expand upon that. Like what you mean by that. And what is this body soul separation
1: all about? Goodness. I love talking about this. I'm so glad you asked. So, and again, I'm sure some people listening had a religious upbringing and might still be religious. Mm -hmm. That is the primary place where that programming comes from, Hmm. right? It's really rooted in a lot. And and this has a lot of different world religions where, you know, part of it is is about being, you know, virginal or chaste or Mm -hmm. pure, where sexuality or engaging with sex is primarily for procreation and anything outside of that, especially for women is like such a sin and such a stain on you as a person. And it makes you like tainted in the eyes of God and all this stuff. And as a more mystically oriented person, um, that's just not how it is. You know, sex is not this like big, dirty, filthy, sinful thing that we've been so programmed and conditioned. So in a lot of ways that has to do with the way women are so objectified and so sexualized. Yeah. You know, like so there's there's a couple different roots of it. And I'm sure some scholar could like really point you back historically sure. where it comes from. But that's never how I roll because I'm more interested in people being able to historically look back in their own life. Like where mm-hmm. did you learn that mm-hmm. being in a woman's body if you are is not okay. Yeah or that was something to be ashamed of. For me personally, my my womanliness started developing. I was in the third grade when I started growing titties. I was in the fifth grade when I got my period, Mm -hmm. right? And I like, by seventh grade, I had C cups. So I've been fending off the male gaze since I was like 11 years old, like teenagers, grown men. I remember getting hit on by like a 17 year old when I was 12 Mm -hmm. and being like, how old do you think I am? And he's like, 14, 15. I was like, I'm 12. And you should have seen his face. Like, I thought this kid was going to die. Um, at
0: least that was the reaction though. Right. Like I could also see people being like, yeah, that still works. Like, no, he it was, is like, the better of, of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there
1: there's, there's all of that, but then, so, so it's not even that the programming directly is like your body and your soul is separate, but it's like all the messaging is that body is bad. Body is sinful, which therefore separates it from anything that would be soulful, connected to God, the divine, the universe, like anything that is sacred or holy. Yeah. So
0: by the way, were you, did you grow up religious Catholic? Ah, I did not grow up with any religion. And I don't think I knew that about you necessarily. Although maybe I've seen, yeah, no, I guess I, I've, I've known that that like played a role somewhere, but I don't think I, I thought of it as just like classic conditioning as a kid around Catholicism. It
1: wasn't traumatizing for me the way it was for a lot of okay. people. Cause I've always had this orientation. In fact, the thing my mom used to get really, she's like, you can't just pick and choose what you like about our religion. I'm like, I'm gonna. Yeah. What? I'm absolutely. Also, has she it. not read the life of Pi? <laughs> Have you read no, it? It's such a beautiful, certainly like- it's not. Um, <laughs> but you know, listen, so where the messaging would start coming for me is my parents telling me I needed to cover up or like, mm. I shouldn't wear that. Like really policing what anything I was wearing, or if, if I, you know, on my own, like got an article of clothing that they didn't like, it would disappear in the laundry. Right, right. There right. wouldn't be a discussion about it. And then I remember, into college, I sold Cutco knives. I don't know if you know this about me, but I, think I did. Yeah, I um, my dad was the golf coach at my high school, and so after practice one day, the dads were like standing around or whatever, and this one dad was talking about how this like hot little Cutco rep came. He's like, "I would have bought anything she put down on my table." This like sexy little college student, and my dad realized he was talking about me. But here's the funny thing. Ooh, yeah, my dad dropped me off at college and was like, don't do anything that's going to make me have to go to jail. What, how, what does that like? Mean? That means that if I, if something happens to me he's going to have to kill somebody. Oh uh, but, my gosh. But implicit in that statement is that it's oh my gosh. fault if something yeah. happens to me, right? And then it was the same thing. So my dad who's like, I'll fucking get like, acts like this tough guy who's yeah. going to like kill people. Right? When he realizes this guy is talking to me does he like choke this guy out? and go that's my daughter no he doesn't right. say shit and he comes home to me he's like what are you wearing to these appointments
0: yeah so, so yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm
1: getting at here with these like stories and uh-huh. these little types of context is like the messaging for women yep. it's like it's your fucking fault for being in a body mm-hmm. it's like it's actually not I'm gonna need everyone else to take responsibility for their reaction to my body I'm just trying yes. to live here
0: Absolutely. So, you know, that I also developed early and also I was very, very boobed up really young. And, uh, one of the, one of my favorite things I think about getting older is realizing like, this is obviously I'm still young enough that I'm not invisible. So I might totally change my tune on this, but, uh, I love getting less male attention as I get older, but when I reflect on it, I also feel so icked out to be like, when did I get the most inappropriate male gazy attention? It was when I was underage, still a child, basically a teenager.
1: Okay. But I have, I want to talk about this energetically. Can we? Okay. Yes, please. Because over the years, and I think, you know, this about me, I I've gained weight over the course of my thirties. And part of what I've loved about gaining weight is like at each juncture, I'm like, great. Maybe men will pay less attention to me. (laughs) And then your girl at the highest weight she's ever been moves to Miami and it's just like, nope, game on. It's like being a teenager again. Right, right. But energetically, there's also something to that because when are we most vulnerable? When are we most insecure, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, there's more gross attention because there's more possibility of being taken advantage of.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? As we come into our maturity or power boundaries and things like that, people are just not going to fuck with us the way that they used to. Mm-hmm. That's also a thing. And that also is why
0: my big armoring in my 20s was, I mean, I wanted to be lean enough to look effing strong, right? Like mm-hmm. I i was never like, I want to be skinny exactly. I mean, sure, I had my stuff around that, but like I mostly just wanted to look unvulnerable, like yeah. someone who you don't give gross attention to and don't feel uh, is... Yeah. Like I I wanted to look so powerful that creepy men would stay away. And obviously that's not a real thing. And it's totally still, it was totally still me taking responsibility for other people's behavior, Yeah, which is why, you know, I don't do it now. I've healed through a lot of that stuff, but like, it absolutely was this feeling I had of, okay, well, what's, what's the opposite of what apparently I looked like before vulnerable and out of shape (laughs) and like someone you could take advantage of or whatever. That's at least the story I told myself. Um, and then I was like, oh hell yeah, I can actually look like someone you wouldn't fuck with. And that appealed for this exact reason. And now I'm, I'm no longer powerful looking because I also have gained weight and, and I, I, I'm not that strong anymore. Um, but like, yeah, now it's just the age thing.
1: Yeah, and also the energy, right? Like that is also so. Just like being a New Yorker, growing up in that environment. Like, I went away to college. I remember like getting on the train to Baltimore to go to college. My mom being like, "Wear sweat clothes. Like, don't draw attention to yourself." And I was actually, like, I would like to do that because I don't want attention. Like while I'm traveling, like yeah. I still to this day, I basically wear like pajamas. I don't wear like when mm-hmm. I'm traveling. I'm like people. I would love to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so interesting.
0: And so I also, I was not brought up with any kind of religion, but I still got these same exact messages and they were not coming from like a, you need to keep your soul pure kind of place. But I definitely learned the same things that like, it was my responsibility, how other people reacted to me, that my body was, um, so powerful, like so powerful that it made good men do bad things. Like that's essentially what I learned. So absolutely. Like you talk about a body soul separation. I don't know when my soul first fled, but it did not come back for decades.
1: Um, And, you know, I would argue on that, which I don't need to be right, but like your soul never went anywhere. It was just, you cut off the communication, right? hundred percent.
0: And I don't even know that I, I would call it soul necessarily for what I'm responding to, but a lot of what you talk about is like it being able to be connected to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I was not because at some point I learned like, that's really not an important piece of who I am. In fact, it seems to really bum everybody out because what they want from me does not include an inner self. Like the thing that people were wanting from me did not involve me having an
1: inner self at all really, you know? Yeah. And you know what I learned? I, I learned to be, I learned to like leverage that shit and manipulate yeah. people. Right. Like I remember my friend Kate and I back in my early twenties, this was just after during, and then after college, we'd be out and we'd be like, who do you think we can get to buy us drinks? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. It's like, and then what it is, is you then are objectifying yourself Yep. and then you're, you're, you're commodifying yourself. Then you're having these transactional level connections with people. Mm -hmm. So then it reinforces it
0: because then you're like, well, my entire body of evidence from the last decade or whatever tells me that this is just how things are.
1: Totally. And then, you know, you and I, even now that I've gained weight, I'm still a straight sized person, Mm -hmm. right? So this is the largest my body has ever been, but I'm still, I'm not necessarily in like, plus sizes or whatever. So like there, there's just so many gross dynamics yeah, yeah. about how people react and respond to you and what's accessible to you and what's not and how you're treated. Mm-hmm. Still, like it's so, yeah. like, aren't we over this yet? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just move on to something else? Like it's still so prevalent. I was yeah. just, I had another podcast interview before this. And I think you'll find this interesting. Um, this, it was, a uh, man was saying, how confusing it is for like these young men growing up now to see all these, you know, women on like TikTok, Instagram or whatever in bikinis. And it's all this are feeling close. It's it's like presented as like this sexual liberation. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to think about it. They're creating content in safe, closed, controlled environments that they feel safe in. That doesn't mean that those women are out in the world being like how they are in their content. Right in personal interactions. Maybe they are. Sure. Cause we were talking yeah. about the safety factor. That is, uh, gosh,
0: I feel like men being confused. I have very little patience for men being confused, but <laughs> I understand. <laughs> um, okay. So in terms of the body soul separation, um, we're talking really then about, well, actually, what do you define as soul here? Oh, girl. Oh, person. <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> all my all my little, cute little nicknames get taken off the table someone actually recently asked me like what do i like to be called in bed now that like all the gendered things are out and i was like i don't know jesse <laughs> like i don't know because there aren't any non-gendered like sexy terms you kind of throw around anyway
1: yeah and now, and now i'm like thinking about that because you know i love words so much but let me refocus yeah. Obviously soul is in indescribable and undefinable. And at the same time, it's just that greater part of you. You know, I personally, because I work in the Akashic records for so many years now, I believe in multi multiple lifetimes, dimensions. I don't necessarily believe time is linear either. So it's Mm -hmm. like, are they past lives or are they lives that are all happening at the same time? Like, who knows? Like that's the real, like esoteric off the deep end stuff, but it's just that infinite part of all of us that is unnameable it's the part that continues after we die
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right and listen i know some people here there might be atheists whatever if you don't believe that that's cool but i can't not like i don't know how to separate that from all of my fundamental belief systems so totally fair um, I also
0: feel like it can really be defined however you want, as long as it's being you, well, not as long as, but like the purpose of this conversation is to talk about a separation that happens when you wall off separate pieces of you, you see your mm-hmm. body as this thing that sort of is shameful innately. And also, uh, also has a lot of power to make other people, you know, it's, it's just, it's like, that's one thing. And then who I am is a whole other thing. Yes. Your essence, if you will. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So in terms of the separation, It happens when we learn any number of messages, uh, get sexualized, get objectified, get whatever. And then what? Then where does it go? When you're living with them as separate, what
1: is the consequence there? Or what is what happens? Comes back to something you said earlier that I can really relate to. When I was a trainer, one of the things I realized when I first started getting into embodiment work is I'm like, oh, I thought I was connected to my body. I was never connected to my body. I was just paying a lot of attention to my body, right? Mm-hmm. What am I eating? How am I working out? What are my calories? What am I this that? My workout, da, da, da. like paying yeah. attention, tracking things, controlling, yes. forcing, yes. like yes. trying to manipulate. That's not connection, mm-hmm. right? That's like coercion, mm-hmm. right? Um, or manipulation, or you know, treating it like a thing. Treating my own self like an object, right? Yeah, totally. Like I'm a like I'm a tamagotchi. <laughs> 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 um, and then, as I started to do my work, I'm like, oh, when we're actually connected, I'm listening because the body is so wise, right? Your senses, your intuition, your emotions like, there's so much information being communicated to us through our bodies, right? And so, what I often talk to people about is reversing the order of operations because when I talk about get out of your head and into your body, I'm not saying ditch your head. I'm not saying right the mind, the ego, logic, kill it. Like, no, we, no, we need all the things. Yeah, But it's like, rather than, which is what most of us are socialized into doing, using our minds to override our body's wisdom, mm-hmm. we learn to tap into the body's wisdom first. And then we go up to the mind, which is brilliant and go, okay, Ooh, how do you yeah. want to act on this wisdom that the more- Intelligent, mm-hmm. knowing, wise part of us, like deeply intelligent beyond just like knowledge and socialization yeah, yeah. and conditioning, because that stuff is in the mind, right? This is why I also like to talk about the difference between judgment and discernment. Judgment is purely in the mind, right? It's mm-hmm. an evaluation, good, bad, right, wrong. Judgment exists in a lot of binary thinking, mm-hmm. right? And that's how we evaluate and assess things. The body just goes, yes or no, mm-hmm. resonate, resonant, dissonant. For me, not for me, like, yeah. that's want it. more, want less. Yeah, that's it, right? Um, Without without the evaluations of it's good, bad. Like, I know I've seen you certainly talk about this before, but like, you know, when people make moral attachments to food, like, mm-hmm. oh, I was bad, I ate this, or I've been yeah, so yeah. good. It's like, no, and that's not coming from the body, right? right? Body is like, this nourishes me. This doesn't nourish me. Yeah. I feel great when you give me this. I have diarrhea when you give me that, you know?
0: like <laughs> That is definitely something, I mean, I, I do talk to clients a lot about this. I feel like the idea that, uh, okay, so as soon as people start hearing, oh, I have to listen to my body, they definitely somehow manage to hear, even if it's never been spoken, that uh, they should, ign- or that they're being expected to ignore everything their brain thinks. And they're like, well, how do I manage being like a healthy person and navigating such and such? And I'm like, well, you let your brain do all of the things it's good at, which involves like- what is my context right now? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I really want a heavy, like carb heavy Italian meal. That's going to make me super sleepy, but I'm in the middle of a very long workday. Like maybe you get to make these decisions from that place, but not without having done that check-in work first and not, uh, not discounting stuffing down or invalidating the information that says, you know, what sounds really good to me right now.
1: It's informed decision-making where your body is, wisdom is part of the information, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I like that. Okay. So, and now what would you say the, uh, sort of other side of this is whatever you would call the opposite of a body soul separation. What does that look
1: like? And what is the impact on your life? Honestly, I it's like living heaven on earth (laughs) Like, here's coming from like a religious upbringing. Again, it's very similar because you're taught like heaven or hell, how you live your life yeah. is gonna determine where you go afterwards. And it's because I love, I love like the Gnostic gospels. I love the teachings of like the great mystics who are like, hi, you're interpreting this message a little too literally. It's all happening <laughs> right here. Yeah. You're either live in hell in your yeah. everyday life, or you're live in heaven. And we can make all we have all kinds of choices available to us if we're gonna be living hell or if we're gonna be living heaven, no matter what's going on in the world around us, right? Like there's always gonna be shit going on, but how much can we, how can we cultivate heaven on earth? And so the body to me is that like, um, it's the instrument. Like I always say the body is a pathway, a portal and a temple, right? Mm. So your body is the bridge between heaven and earth you know, between your soul. Like you often will hear this phrase, like we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. And what allows us to experience the spirit and the human, the body. Yeah. Right. And when is that experience over when the body dies? Mm -hmm. So this body allows us to be here and experience all of the things, which to me is one of the most miraculous fucking things ever.
0: Yeah. So this also goes into a big question. Well, I would say a misconception about body neutrality, which is that like body neutrality means you have no thoughts or feelings or opinions about your body. It's totally like um, mutually exclusive with loving your body, which I don't believe any of those things. Um, But I do believe that finding a way to interact with your body where it doesn't have all this moral significance and judgment and power and interpretation and all these things allows you to actually come to a Uh, a very different understanding of the body in general. So that instead of appreciating it the way, like back when I had major body image issues and was like deep in fitness and everything, I would have said I appreciated my body for sure. But I appreciated it in a way that is like so foreign to me now because it was like, I appreciate that I'm able to do these things that earn me privilege in the world. You know, it had such a small limited container for how I loved it. And it's so much more expansive now.
1: Well, cause again, that was rooted in objectification too. Yeah, absolutely. So this is more of like, wow, like the body is also like, it's a little, it's each of our own little microcosm of the great mystery. Mm. Because as much as we want to be like, you know, you could go to science and doctors and this and that, even I was reading something earlier today that was like, listen, all science is pseudoscience because there's so many <laughs> things that are unprovable, yeah. that are out of our reach that we'll never know. Like even that stat that you hear that whether it's 3%, 5%, 10% of our brain that we actually use. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know how much shit goes on in these bodies that we we have no idea. idea. And not to mention that um, I've been listening to this book. I've been learning more about being neurodivergent. I'm listening to this book called Divergent Mind. And like the whole first chapter or two even is about how so much of Western medicine and psychiatry was based on studies of men yeah
0: yeah oh yeah
1: So when you're like hi white men white White able-bodied healthy men yeah hey so it's like oh what about everybody so all of these things we think are true about bodies and health Uh and science or whatever are not don't apply to like Uh. so many of us and also the
0: fact that they were done on men because it was too complicated for them to take into account a woman's menstrual cycle is just one of those facts that like <laughs> is so it, it's comical. Like, are you kidding? They were like, okay, so we're going to learn about bodies, but this one thing about bodies is a bit inconvenient for us. So we're just going to exclude all of that this and learn about bodies.
1: Child, <laughs> incredible, amazing thing that allows us to stay populated on the planet. It's, it's inconvenient. What are they gonna do? Test
0: everyone? Track it? Oh my god. So funny. Um, Okay, so it is heaven on earth because why? Because you are in connection with your inner wisdom. You are able to make decisions that actually align with you. Mm -hmm. So life is more satisfying. What else? But you're also fully living.
1: What does it mean? It means when you're you're feeling, which listen, for some people, Ah. I get it. Sucks because we feel a lot like I'm a very sensitive. I'm an extroverted HSP. So HSP is highly sensitive person, and often we associate these things with being introverts or being shy or being whatever. It actually was revolutionary for me a year or two ago to be like, oh. there's a category of HSP that's extroverted, and then when I was looking at the distinctions, I'm like, this explains so much of my life. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, but then, but then, this is the deeper invitation to be in your own experience and feel everything that you feel. And if you need help with that, like if anyone needs to be medicated or if anyone needs therapy or certain, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to stay regulated and in a place that allows you to enjoy the experience of being in a body um, without being of harm to yourself or anyone else, like do what you need to do. Right. There's no, I'm not one of these people. I lean towards like naturalness as much as possible, but that's just not going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. And this
0: is definitely something I see in the spiritual, uh, sort of culture and movement is like it moralizes new things so that people feel shame about brand new things as they sort of heal from other things. They're like, Oh, cool. Well now also it's a complete failing for a totally different reason. If I need antidepressants or God knows.
1: Listen, I leaned a little too much into like alternative things. I had to get my gallbladder removed last year Mm -hmm. and I'm telling you it's possible it wouldn't have happened if I had like gone to the doctor. (laughs) 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 Like at any point in the five years that my gallbladder was bothering me, you know? But I was like doing cleanses and doing energy work and like, listen, and everything happens the way it needs to Like having that surgery, having a major surgery and especially abdominal surgery, I got so much out of that experience. It was so humbling, but then also my reverence for my body too, like the way it healed, how quickly it healed after, Mm. but then like all, just all these other things, even there were, there were so many things to that, but so whatever fully living means to anybody, it's not possible without being deeply connected to your body. It's just not. And what I mean, being sensitized, yeah. feeling your feelings, feeling your senses, right? Because there's different things. Um, I wrote this little, like one of my little PDF downloads on my website many years ago, I called it the embodiment Bible. And I distinguished between, um, you know, people use the word feelings and emotions like interchangeably, but feelings is more than one thing. Emotions are emotions. And I love referring people to, you've seen the feelings wheel, right? Mm-hmm. There's only like six core emotions feelings. Yeah, yeah. And then everything else stems out from mm-hmm. those things, right? But other things like hungry, tired, those are like feeling states, yeah. right? And then there are sensations, which may associate with an emotion or a feeling state, right? Like a tingle or, you know, like when we get goosebumps, yeah. which for a lot of people, that's a symbol of like, oh, like tears of truth or truth bumps or whatever people mm-hmm. want to call it. Like there's just so many different things that are happening in and with and through our bodies whether it's an emotion a feeling state a sensation that might be associated with something or an expression of something or whatever so um there's just so much there's so much to be tuning in with yeah so one thing that i i
0: see being a sort of benefit as it were of being connected in this space is that um So you're, you're, it sounds to me like you're describing the ability to be fully present, which is super, super huge and like present with yourself, literally. And then also with the world, because you are present with yourself. Um, All of that I agree with and definitely changes the quality of a person's life. Um, But there's also the, I think the idea that by going inward And noticing all of this stuff, all of these sensations, emotions, everything, you build up a certain amount of skill and capacity. And basically, you end up in a position where you have faced, healed, and or integrated all of these parts of you who were previously separated, right? So it's like... I still feel like I run into little bits of things. I'm like the last couple of years, I've just been thinking about my own transphobia and homophobia. And I'm like, this sucks. Like I totally would have said my whole life that I was like accepting of these things. Uh, but definitely what I meant was accepting of other people and uh, it can't apply to me. And like, it's been a really complicated journey and just even holding and facing the fact that I'm like, super transphobic and trans is like a whole ass thing. But now that I'm at least with this one thing on the other side of it, and it's been integrated and it no longer has any power. I also just feel like there is a, I don't know. I I wish there was better language for this. There is a good feeling that is associated with just being all of it and not having myself kind of have to like push stuff away, you know, like psychically, Uh, guarding myself against myself, every bit of liberation work that I've done by going inward and connecting to my inner self has felt like that. Like, oh my God, what relief. I'm just here
1: now. Well, it's acceptance and integration. Yeah. You know, I am... I was listening to a conversation many years ago between Sonia Renee Taylor and Brene Brown on Brene Brown's podcast. Sonia Renee Taylor has a book called "The Body Is Not an Apology." It's a great book. One thing, though, I like vehemently am not into is the way she talks about acceptance. She like shits on acceptance. She, and she's like, I want radical. <laughs> yeah, love. yeah. She puts like, them
0: against each other. I'm like,
1: but acceptance is a stepping stone. Cause yeah, like,
0: absolutely.
1: That's something we don't accept, you know. And I talk about this all the time, like acceptance is like, we can't change things until we accept them. Like often people yeah. think acceptance is not approval. It's just like, mm. acce- it's mm-hmm. just the absence of resistance. Yep. Right. I just accept, even if I don't like it, even if I want it to be different, I can accept that currently right now, that is the way that it is. Yep. Right. And whether that allows us to get to a more neutral place so that we can make choices and engage with things differently than we used to, Or it allows us to get to a more loving place because we're like, actually, (gasps) the relief. The relief. I don't have to fight it. any. How much energy was I putting towards fighting it? And now I don't have to.
0: Absolutely. So that is, I mean, essentially, that is how I define body neutrality. It is the lack of resistance because uh, essentially- body image issues are resistance to the reality. Like you look in the mirror and you think it shouldn't be like this. This isn't how it should be because that's not how (laughs) I want it to be. And once you start to be like, this isn't how I want it to be. And that's okay. Like you just stop resisting the moment. The truth of the moment in that reality is just like, it's almost like you give consent for, for literally reality to be real. And it's not. (laughs) it. It doesn't seem like a big step, really, until you go through it and you go, holy shit, I was exhausting myself by fighting the reality of every single moment. And now I don't have to. And now I have all this brain space
1: and energy freed up for something more interesting. Freedom. Um, So many years ago, 2016, um, I ended this relationship. I was with someone who was very critical of my body because I was with him for like three years. And in these years, in my early 30s is when I was gradually beginning to gain weight. And he would like make comments, but the thing, here's what would happen. He would like make some like comment about my body or whatever. And then I would stand in front of the mirror and be like, I don't see the problem here. Mm. So it was almost like, rather than internalizing his shit, I was like, nope, I'm gonna love myself Mm -hmm. either way. Because this body is just one aspect of this whole miraculous being Yeah. That is me. Like, and if, if you're not into it, then why am I into you? <laughs> yeah, That totally. was really the thing. And then as I've moved on, that was my last really like long-term monogamous partnership. And I'm now more of like a solo polyamorous person for the most part. I always say like, listen, I'm available. If there's like, if some extraordinary person comes along, yeah. sure. I would consider, but I'm good without that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this is really one of my things. Like with the amount of people there are on the planet and everyone's different tastes and whatever, yeah. like if someone's not like, Oh my God, you are a goddess. I'm not interested. Yeah. And that's such a great barometer for like filtering people out. But here's also what's funny since I years ago made that choice. No one gives me shit about my body. Right. It's of just course. not a thing because I don't tolerate it. Right. It's like- energetically, I was like, what the, why was I even entertaining this? Yeah. Okay. So that
0: brings up two things. One is I want to bring together how the thing that you had in that moment, the powerful ability to just disagree with somebody is the direct result of body and soul connection and being able to listen to your inner truth, right? Like that is another huge benefit to doing this kind of work is that you then don't have to put so much stock in what other people think about you because you've formed a real connection yes. and trust in you yes because most people listening most women i'm guessing would hear that story and be like yeah but how like how did you not internalize it because it's all my that's work really hard to
1: do right it's like all my work and my practices i really i just take my own medicine yeah. Everything that I do, right? My wild soul movement, my self love framework, our mantras, our meditations, the journaling, the contemplate, like literally everything I teach. It's just what it is the self liberation framework. I've been teaching people since 2013 this pathway of like surrender, release, trust, receptivity while dreaming, desire, love, truth. Um, and then in 2020, I finally developed my own archetypes, the wild soul archetypes, right? And it's like, the sovereign queen, the warrior goddess, the medicine woman, the sacred creatrice, the erotic priestess, the divine mother. All of it is about accepting yourself mm-hmm. as this incredible, dynamic, multidimensional being of, that lives in a body, but there's just so much more. Like yeah. how could I possibly reduce myself to just being the meat suit? Yeah, and
0: that really is like a super foreign concept to someone who's still deep in a, in a
1: self-objectifying mindset thousand percent. And that's part, like we, it's the path. Cause mm-hmm. most people, honestly, unless, which, you know what? I can't wait. I don't want kids. I actually love being a child-free person, but I love being an auntie. I love being mm-hmm. involved in my own niece's life and my friend's kids lives mm-hmm. and seeing the way my friends are parenting differently than we were collectively parented. Yeah. I'm actually so curious to see when these kids get into, you know, their teens and into their 20s and their their young people, how how they're going to relate to their bodies. Yeah. Like, are they going to objectify themselves the way we did? Like I know the overall culture, the over culture, that is still so prominent. But if it's not from the people who were raising them, yeah. I'm just so curious to see. I couldn't agree more.
0: Also I referred, I meant to say, um gender progressive generation or something recently. And I said, genderation. And then I was like, that's actually exactly what I mean, well, because this upcoming generation is just like, they do not give a shit about gender binary. They think that it is stupid and outdated and they are not wrong. And like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? Where are they going to
1: take this? Wait, yeah. Where are we going to go? I, you know, what cracks me up more than anything. And I actually, just saw a reel about this. They were like, where 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 did I think it was something like where did non-binary people come from and they're like well dates back to Mesopotamia yeah yeah like this isn't new this isn't no. like a new phenomenon they it's like always
0: existed it's just,
1: even though it's not didn't like it before it's still not safe it's safer yeah. than it ever has been mm-hmm. for people to be out in the world as themselves so now people yeah. are just more aware that the thing exists like people yeah. aren't hiding like it's never not been a thing.
0: Totally. Also, okay. So the other thing I was going to say before was uh maybe like a year and a half or so ago, I um I had this experience where my body image tanked and and I could very directly link it to a comment that somebody made about my appearance. And it's not somebody that um it's somebody who's just in my life and and it wasn't like a chosen person, right? Somebody yeah. who's just there and I experienced this weird spiral because nobody else, I have trained and been discerning enough. I've trained the people in my life and I've chosen people who, who are like this. Nobody comments on my body in a way that is objectifying freaking ever, not ever, not in so long, like occasionally, whatever my dad says things, but I've got, I've got real good boundaries there and we've had our talks. Uh, but anyway, so this came out of left field where someone basically just told me like what I should do to look better in photos. And I was like, so I just, I lost it for like a few days. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Cause I was like, I literally forgot people were doing this. And I felt so, I was like, have I just been deluding myself into being like, nobody thinks of me that way. Cause like, don't you dare talk to me that way. Um, But then honestly, I just, I had to like move through it and really remember that this is, you know, a super positive experience for me to have and and relate to my clients and all these things. But I was like, I literally forgot people were just going around giving unsolicited advice on how you look. And it like shook me.
1: (laughs) This is a really important point you're making because- even as we set our boundaries and we curate our circles and all these things, what we're also doing is creating like bubbles for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And we need to, this is actually also one of the things that I love about dating. It just keeps me with my finger on the pulse of the gen pop. Totally. Totally. Right? It's like what are the regulars up to? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I love saying it that way because it just feels funny. Yeah, but like you know, what are people who just aren't oriented towards caring about the things we care about, like what's going on out yep. in that world? And it's funny because I primarily only use this one dating app, which is called Field. That's more like sex yeah, positive, open minded than like they call them like the vanilla apps, like Bumble. yeah, yeah. Even Tinder is considered a vanilla app, which is funny. Sure, but like um. Even so, every once in a while, if someone's opening message is like, oh my God, your tits are amazing. It's like unmatched, yeah, like, yeah. unmatched. Like, you can't wait at least a that couple so of messages boring. to make a- <laughs> it's, so <boring. laughs>
0: it's so boring. It's so boring. Thanks. I grew them myself. I don't no know way. what you want me to say. Oh my
1: God. That's what I say especially in Miami, that is so funny. That's literally what I say. I'm like, thank you so much. I grew them myself. Oh my God. Miami, everyone's fucking, everyone's ass, lips. Yeah, yeah. So fake your tummy tuck, everything. I'm like, I grew it myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I do think that there came a point
0: in my own healing from self-objectification where I used to really love compliments on my body because it was validating to the work I was putting into it. Right. And there came a point where I like, just didn't want to hear. And it was all very like angsty and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I got to a point of being like, okay, here's where I'm at with it now. I feel so bored with the topic. (laughs) And I feel like it's just an immediate signal that you're not really seeing me. Yeah. I'm out. Like it's really, if somebody were to be like upfront, like, of course I love to be desired by people who I'm in that sort of intimate space with, but even then, if it was just, oh God, hot tits, like that would still make me feel I- invisible as a human and disconnected. And also like, you can't come up with anything more interesting to appreciate about me. Like that's nuts. That's my
1: thing. It doesn't make me feel anything about myself. It just makes me go, okay, that's, that's literally where you're coming from. That's yes, where exactly. Person- yeah. It's coming from. And whether that's like an indicator of like the limited range of their personality or their world perspective review, right. um, that's where they're for whatever reason, wanting to meet me right now. Yeah. And I'm not interested in engaging at totally. that level, with anyone, you know,
0: totally. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Cause it really is like, Oh, okay. I, I get where you are now. And I also get that that's like, not for me. Cause there's so many people who are going to be able to come up with something more
1: interesting. That's it. And that's, that is the thing, right? It's like not interesting at all. And then people are out here complaining, like that they're not meeting people or whatever. And I'm like, what effort are you making? What effort are you Mm. making to be like interested or interesting beyond just like this transactional objectification shit that like so many of us are just tired of do something. And I would
0: argue having talked to a lot of men about this, that they're tired of it too. It is just the script they go to. It's the script we've all been going to. And the more we break out from it, we help them break out from it. And everybody
1: is more satisfied. Well, and here's what's fun about this. Cause sometimes I can kind of tell, right. I'm like, a friend of mine recently dubbed. She's like, you're like a manthropologist. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I love it so much. Um, And sometimes when I can tell that someone's just following the script, like you said, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll say something like, oh, geez, never heard that before. What else you sure, got? Yeah,
0: call it out a little.
1: Yeah. And then and they're like, oh, it's almost like, oh, thank God. And then they're like, right. cool. sometimes those conversations have evolved to be something cooler. So I'm not, I'm not always gonna take a look at that and just like dismiss someone based sure, on that one yeah. thing. Sometimes I'll poke if it seems like there's something worth poking for and then mm-hmm. see what what else you got? Yeah, I like that. Um, because some people are also just out here bored, kind of like zoned out, scrolling, whatever, totally. like doing this thing. And then, and then they're like, Oh, there's more to this person than just these huge titties. I'm like, this. <laughs> shocking. Um, okay.
0: So you use the term a lot, wild soul wisdom. And mm-hmm. I know you include a more mystical aspect of this term, like past lives and spirit guides, but you know, everything we've been talking about, it also still connects to me. Uh, I feel like it makes total sense. It's a lot of what we've been talking about, I think. Um, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that term, like where it came from and how you use it.
1: Well, to me, because everything I talk about is the wild soul. And so wild soul wisdom, this is just the cumulative wisdom of like all the vaster parts of you, Mm. right? It's not just like your intellect, it's your lived experiences. It's the gifts and the wisdom from your soul, the gifts and the wisdom from your ancestors, gifts and the wisdom from like the unseen or the divine support that's around all of us. And if you don't connect and relate to those things, it's just you know, your most liberated self or think of it as like your higher self. Some people like to relate to a higher self. That's what your wild soul wisdom is. It's the higher, vaster, more liberated place to source wisdom from than just your personality and your conditioning. And uh, just a real easy
0: question for you that I'm sure you can answer in a sentence (laughs) or two. Uh, How would one access that? If someone does not have a connection to that right now, what would you tell them? What does that look like? Honestly, it's
1: so funny. I want to be like, just work with me. (laughs) This is literally what I do. Yeah. Um, Listen to the pot, like, but for real, like I have a podcast called embodied. We have over 400 episodes. Like I have little movement vignette practices on my Instagram, just like go scroll through my shit and see what makes you feel something. Yeah. Right. Or like sparks your curiosity and whether you choose to work with me or. Um, do something with somebody else. Like you can find crumbs in anything I do. I have so much content on the internet from the last decade. You yeah. can just scroll around and see like what sparks, like what illuminates, what evokes something for you that makes you go, oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. You know? um, Cause I, I've been, ta- I like, I love talking about it. This is the 10 year anniversary this year. Of, ah, that's so cool. Um, when I had the idea and really and started developing my first movement practice, which is called wild soul movement. And the first and the framework that would later be named the self-liberation framework. Um, but because it's all about, again, that thing, that invitation to get out of your head and into your body, which means you got to like feel your sensations, right? And so in the simplest way, everything always starts with the breath, just mm, noticing the sensations yeah. of your breath, like putting your feet on the ground and just taking a second. You, you called it presence earlier. I know some people would call this mindfulness work. Sure, um, It's just like, you just got to chill out and not even (laughs) about stillness. Right. Because I will say this, even my movement practices, I've had a lot of people tell me I was never able to sit still and meditate until I did your movement practices. And now I can sit still and meditate. Makes so much sense. Cause I was, I am definitely one of those people. I
0: have such a better time connecting to myself when there is movement involved. And also I know that when I'm keeping up on that stillness doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, that's it's super very, interesting.
1: Even exercise. Like once I started to heal, like my trauma and realize I had like complex PTSD and like all the serious shit later into my twenties and into my thirties, I was like, how did I survive until this point? And I was like, oh, because I've been working out since I was 12. Mm-hmm. That's how I've been self-soothing and regulating, like moving my body, like lifting yeah. endorphins, dancing, like. Mm all these things. Salsa dancing is co-regulation. Like yeah, absolutely. all these things that I didn't know that that's why I was able to and essentially like out. run from my trauma, yeah. like live having not unpacked, healed, or looked at anything. It's because all this other shit that I was doing. Yeah. So embodiment is,
0: I would say the bridge that you, it, it's the term for the big bridge between like soul body disconnect and being in contact with this inner wisdom, Mm -hmm. you are using embodiment a million different ways and with a million different tools to help people get there. Yeah. First of all, how do you define embodiment?
1: You know what? I have like a formal definition in my training manual for my sacred embodiment specialist training, but like ask me if I've memorized it. (laughs) Really, honestly, it comes down to integrating the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual selves. And if you don't rock with spiritual, call it energetic, Sure, right? It's just like bringing all the parts of yourself together and being all of it. I love that.
0: It's like such a simple definition too. I feel like a lot of times I talk about it with like, you know, having access, the channels are open so that you can communicate and respect the messages and all of that's true, but also all of that's in service of what you just said, wholeness and integration.
1: Yeah, that's it. Physical, mental, emotional, and either spiritual or energetic. Syncs up, supports each other. Okay. So what does embodiment work look like in your own
0: personal practice? And what does it look like with like a new client?
1: <sighs> We're also unique for me personally. So even this whole time, if people are watching the interview, they're seeing me, and this is actually one of the things I've come to fully accept about myself, my ADHD, I live here in Miami, I'm on Biscayne Bay. So I stare out at the water. Somehow wow. this helps me like focus and pay attention, sure. right? I get so that. for me, actually having like the sky and the sun and the water here is an embodiment practice for me because I very much um, sink in and attune with nature. And I know a lot of other people do too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love to, I don't go every single day, but like at least three or four days a week, I try to get to the beach for sunrise. There is just my days when I have watched the sunrise and sat there with the ocean versus the days when I don't, they're very different kinds of days, right? Um, Putting on lotion after the shower, like the touch, the connection, like the moving, doing some kind of slow central movement, singing or dancing, it's just like, using my body in whatever way I can. And yeah. that's actually one of the things that I appreciated so much last year when I had that gallbladder surgery. Um, I'm a relatively able-bodied person. I do have some like chronic pain and stuff that I deal with, which I I, I get so used to it. Sometimes I don't realize how bad it is. Yeah. And then when I feel better, I'm like, geez, i was really <laughs> dealing with that. Yeah. Um, but I don't have anything, you wouldn't look at me and think that there's anything wrong with me, you know? Um, and so this is the other thing that I love about, our embodiment work, because a lot of people look at these types of like priestessy, goddessy women on TikTok and Instagram who are talking about embodiment and you know skinny yoga goddessy looking kind of people. Which, if you're that kind of person, I'm not hating on you. But if you're not that kind of person, I'm telling you, embodiment is also for you. Mm-hmm. It's not just for those people, right? And so that's what I, that's what I love about sacred embodiment because it's saying to everyone, I don't care if you could do what I do. Yeah. I care that you do whatever you can do, whatever you have access to, and let that be your own pathway to like the delight, the pleasure, like the heaven on earth that is inhabiting yeah. a body, you know? Um, so again, it's, it's vast. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time answering that question. That's okay, I think you answered it beautifully. I
0: also feel like uh, one of the things I so appreciate about you and your work is that they're really, like you really walk your talk in terms of not having hierarchies and, and moral pedestals and everything. Um, because this kind of work is so personal, but it does because of its nature, because of its promise and what people want when they're seeking it out, they, I think do automatically make whatever a priestessy goddessy woman is talking about into dogma. And then they try it for themselves. It doesn't resonate or it doesn't work. And they're like, Oh, I guess this isn't for me, but you're really talking about tuning into the, the depths of who you are and noticing what makes you feel your best and then prioritizing that which can look so many different ways and has nothing to do with ability or, you know, uh, I don't know, goddessiness. Like it just is so personal
1: and unique. I'll give you an example. I have, um, I have a membership and there's a specific woman in my community who, um, I don't think she identifies as non-binary. I think she does identify as a woman, but, um, and her her pronouns are she her in in the space. Actually, now that I'm thinking of it, but um, she's asexual. She's not into like astrology and human design and these different things that we talk about. And she's always like, "I'm good. Like I got uh, this 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 this. Like she takes what she needs. The same yeah. way I did with religion growing up, right? Yeah. Like I'm good. Like and also no one's out here trying to get me to believe anything right. or do something differently, absolutely, or act like anything is better. And that's my thing this interview that I did before you, the, one of the closing questions they asked me was, what do you think the world needs more of? And I was like, inclusivity. Mm. I'm like, no brainer. I'm like, honestly, if, if more things were set up for more people to be invited, welcome, seen, accommodated, yeah, you know how much of this shit would clean itself right up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also feel like, um, There's something, so particularly around gender that I can't quite put my finger on, but there is something around like women's spirituality that feels so prescriptive and moralized and pedestalized. And I know that for me, when I was first trying to like, you know, get in touch with my spiritual self and turn it from something that was just a feeling that I had sometimes and not others and turn it into like rituals and everything, I turned to the same rituals that I was seeing other women who had it. And I realized like within maybe a year, year and a half that I had like bought a bunch of shit that I don't like and done a bunch of shit that didn't do anything for me and actually pushed me away from my spiritual self. Cause I'm like trying to sage my room and like candles and, you know, do all this shit. But like, I can tell you, you know, there's like a handful of tools that I turn to now that are so good. They allow me to connect with like a, a bigger sense of meaning yeah. and, and connection to the universe that have nothing to do with any of those things. And I honestly feel like I had to kind of reject gender stuff inside of spirituality to get yeah. there because there was so few examples of what you're talking about. Like, I actually think you're a great example of it. And also it just, I feel... I saw what I saw. The pattern was all these spiritual women were like doing the same kind of shit. So I was like, I guess I have to get into tarot. I guess I need to buy crystals.
1: Yeah. And you know, and that's exactly, um, in the beginning of my own journey, I had to reconcile with some feminine stuff, right? Cause I had a lot of shame. I don't know. I mean, I grew up playing sports. I was quite a tomboy. I don't know if that's a term we use anymore. Yeah, but it can be. Um. And then I got feedback from people just cause I was like, I'm a natural hustler. Like I'm an into hustle culture, but like, I'm a hard worker and I love my work. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I'm just a hard worker. I'm not necessarily a hustler, Yeah, yeah. but, um, and people are like, that's so masculine. Is it? Or do I just like what I do? Like, why does it have to be this like masculine, feminine, whatever. Yeah. But because I had shame around not being feminine. I had to reconcile that Mm -hmm. I had to find these other archetypes. Like I've had this illustration for a decade now of the goddess Durga, who I found in a book called Awakening Shakti by Sally Kempton and Durga, depending on, you know, the story or where you see her depicted is riding either a lion or a tiger. She has eight arms. Some of them are holding weapons. Some of them are holding like a lotus flower and prayer beads. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is my kind of feminine. Apparently it's warrior goddess, you know, I like that. And because the culture goes maiden mother whore. Mm-hmm. Right. Um don't get old. <laughs> <laughs> and and women should be
0: pleasing, right? Like there's like- also a new movement on TikTok that basically like repackages like 1960s values <laughs> for women. Yes, yes. Dark Femme. Have you heard of dark femme? I don't know what the fuck it's called, but I it saw basically how to be a woman who is so in her feminine that you would inspire the man in your life to be in his masculine so that you can have this really heteronormative relationship where nobody's actually fully expressed. At least that's how I take it. I mean, it's not what they're
1: saying. Well, this is like this David data, like polarity stuff, like, Pol- yeah, it's all about polarity. I can't, I can't yeah. that stuff. And listen, my ex who I mentioned earlier really used that stuff to manipulate me. It mm-hmm. really makes me feel shitty. Like I am not surprised. It is easy to use Who were more this, that, or the other thing? I'm like, then go be with them. Like okay. this is my expression. This is also what I've loved in dating. The same as I was like, listen, someone either wants to like go. Even in my profile, it usually says like must love curves and natural beauty. Love it. That's it. Like that's the standard. If you don't lose your mind over curves, like mine, we're not good. interested. Yeah. Right. Um. And if you need someone to be like all done up and wearing heels and dress, I'm like, that's also not going to be me, all right? Especially, Especially if it's like they need that to feel like a man,
0: which is right, like, like, just what? Bro, how?
1: Go work on yourself. Oh, Deal, with yourself. <laughs> Deal with yourself. Deal with yourself. But I went on that tangent also to say, and then I integrated that. And this is why I'm so glad the word integration has come up so many times. Yeah. Sometimes we do actually have to take on the binary thing Okay. So that we can be like, all right, what does this look like for me? What yep. parts of this are true? What parts are not? Let me integrate this and then I'll call it whatever the fuck I want to call it. Yes. And I would say I did a
0: very similar thing with femininity because I also felt I mean, I think I've been non-binary my whole life that that piece of me was always there. We just didn't have the language or anything um, but I also felt a lot of shame about not being feminine enough because it wasn't what men wanted. it wasn't how I w- I learned uh, from my parents and specifically my dad that like sort of, He's a psychologist. And like he he very much gave me the message that like women want to be this way. But any reason that they're not that way is like um, you know, sort of a pathology. It's like they're too scared. They're they don't want to make themselves vulnerable. Like he would always say to me that I actually wanted kids, uh, but I wouldn't know it until I faced my fears. And mm-hmm. I believed that for so long. I've had to do so much healing that I look back on that year of like feminine priestessy, whatever. And I'm very grateful because I was able to finally let go of the idea that there was something in there that actually appealed to me. And I was just too scared of. And by the end, I was like, Oh, I just think it's
1: dumb. I just, it's just dumb for me. It's That's dumb. it. Which listen, I love me some priestess practices, <laughs> but mine look quite different than what Instagram might tell me. they sure. should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but the moral of the story is to each their own, mm-hmm. right? Does it get you? Does it give you something to lean on when life is really, really hard and heavy? Does it make you feel like more of yourself? Does it give you some kind of moral compass that allows you to live with like values and integrity that you could be proud of? Mm -hmm. Are you doing less harm? Right. Because we all do harm, right? Like, are you doing more good than harm? Then great. Yeah. Yeah. Stick with that stuff until it doesn't work anymore and then find something else.
0: Absolutely. Oh God, I love this. Okay, well, I could talk to you about this forever. Obviously I have a million questions I didn't get to, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell everyone where they can find you. And if you have anything coming up that you want
1: to talk about. Um, when is this going up? Uh, probably in a couple of weeks. So people can always find me at my website, which is untameyourself.com and on Instagram, which is at Elizabeth Tialto. I always have one of those little link tree links. And my profile, that'll point you towards all the things. But um, if it's going up in a couple of weeks, you know what I'm really excited about? This summer, I'm bringing my power program back. Um, Ooh. This is the original That's program. it has been retired for a while, yeah. It's been retired for a while. And it, it's kind of like in line with everything we were talking about because it's like real power. Like, yeah. Where does your yeah. real power? I will say though, it is more for the like, the, I'm putting a theme on it. I've never done this before. It's more. It's a journey into the mystical heart. So it is really for the people who do want to go into like the deeper, more mystical, like esoteric areas and like find their soul liberation within that. It's kind of like we were talking about, right? It's finding your own expression of like your own connection to like the divine or however it is that you relate to that and doing the liberation work within that intention and working the framework within that intention. Uh, Because this has been not something I set out to do but something that I love so much about my work is that one of the things I do is help a lot of people forge their own relationship with the divine or God or the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Because again, so many people who have, were raised in religions or without, mm-hmm. and they feel like a sense, like there's something, but they don't know how to engage and connect with it. And in some cases people think they can't, or they're not allowed because they're not in a religion. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's not how any of this works. Um, so we're going to be building our own and deepening our own relationships to that stuff. So, and, and again, if you ever go to my website or my Instagram, whatever I'm doing, it will be all over the place. Yeah, I bet.
0: I love that. Um, I also feel like something that I I say sometimes is when it comes to body image work, when it comes to self-worth and identity work, like there is so much you can do. And also eventually it's gonna come down to existential stuff. Like you can stay away from that for a long time. There's a lot of work you can do without ever touching that. But ultimately it does eventually need to touch that. And it needs to look at that because it just has to do with like, who you learned or believe is worthy of literally existing and why, and all of these things that like, they are deep existential questions. You can't get away from and do the healing without at least examining. So the thought of like being in a container where everyone is forging that connection and finding their own way to it, instead of being given, you know,
1: a prescription that just makes me so happy for the world. That's exactly it. And then people can ping off of again, their resonance or dissonance with other people's experiences too. Being yeah. like, Oh my God, look at her. She's so into that. I hate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> least I could cross that off the list, you know? Totally. Do you know, I have, okay. So I have
0: these, uh, they're not terrible. It's an Oracle deck that I bought back in my fem year. And, uh, I, I still use them year. sometimes because they're just beautiful. They're like pictures of nature. Yeah. And I, I do like fun little activities with my niece and nephew sometimes with them um and and I really do enjoy them but I have basically stripped them of all the thing that I bought them for which was like <laughs> this is going to like show me my soul and I don't even know what um and similar with the crystals like I bought a shit ton of crystals that year and in the end what I discovered is crystals are pretty I don't know if everyone knows this but they're just pretty so like having crystals around me still kind of makes me happy but they are it's yes. completely devoid of what I intended them to be you know and i've just made it something that i'm like i love my office it's filled with plants and art and crystals and and it just feels nice yeah and listen
1: that's all, that's all that matters the crystals yeah. are happy that that's all you need from them
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it, and this is the thing too right if something else is going on i just don't need to be bothered by it like cool if they're healing me energetically right now that's great i don't need to
1: i don't even need think to think about it yeah uh, that's what i say to people in our practices all the time i'm like you don't need to know you don't need to be processing. Yeah. That's, that's actually part of the great thing with embodiment work. It's inherently integrative, like integrating. So you don't have to be friggin' processing and naming right. everything because that that's such a constant interrupter, slow downer, and also derailer. Absolutely. Okay. Well, this was amazing.
0: Thank you for Thank being you. here. Um, everyone who is listening, you know, where to find me, jessenealand.com or at jessenealand on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok recently and Twitter and anywhere (laughs) else pretty much. Um, so that's it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth and, uh, everyone I'll catch you next week.